Today, we're going to talk about the discipline of simplicity. We all know we live in a very complicated world, in a time of instant gratification. We have access to anything, anywhere, anytime, and it's super easy to clutter our lives. And now, more than ever, we need to practice simplicity. We need to learn how to simplify our lives. We're coming out of a year and a half of total chaos where Sometimes we had time to do everything, and other times we had to balance multitasking when our kids were at home or when we were trying to work at the same time. And we also dealt with a lot of isolation, and so we found ways and coping mechanisms and developed new habits that sometimes took us away from things that really mattered. And we tried to avoid the anxiety of it all. And so now, this weekend is the first time that we are taking away the masks and starting a new phase in our life together, in our world. We are faced with the opportunity to start new. We can keep going the way we are, or we can start new patterns of life and simplicity. And so the discipline of simplicity is super important right now. Simply put, it is getting rid of anything that distracts you from living the life God has for you. I want us to start with looking at a little bit of the Sermon on the Mount. And I want you to do an imaginative exercise with me. So you can close your eyes or you can look somewhere so you can focus. I want you to imagine yourself sitting on a hill. It's sunny. It's a beautiful, perfect day. The breeze is lightly blowing. And you're sitting with Jesus in person. Jesus is right there in front of you. There's no cell phone reception because they haven't been invented yet. And you don't care because you're with Jesus. He pauses long enough to let your mind wander to all the things that you're worrying about. And you wonder if Jesus knows what you're thinking and feeling. So I want us to let those things come to mind now. What you hear next, Jesus speaks right to you. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. I don't usually use the paraphrased version of the Bible. This is from the message. But I just love the way Eugene Peterson translates Matthew 6, 33. We may be used to hearing... It translated, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. But instead of using seek, he uses the word steep. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. It seems a little strange at first, but I think steep captures what Jesus is really trying to get at here. I don't know if any of you drink tea but I drink it every day. In fact, I have some right here. Our British friends got me hooked on Yorkshire tea, which is really, really strong black tea. And yes, I drink it with cream and sugar, lots of it. (laughs) 
Soaking the tea leaves in hot water turns the water into tea. It transforms it. The longer you leave the tea bags in the water, the stronger it gets. And I leave mine in for about at least 10 minutes. Sometimes I leave it in the entire time I'm drinking and it gets really, really dark, really strong and sometimes chalky because of all the tannins. But I love it because it's just, it, it fills me with warmth and deliciousness. <laughs> and so when we practice the discipline of simplicity, the first place to start is steeping your life in God. This means taking time to pray and listen to God and taking time in solitude and worship, all of the things we've been talking about for the last six weeks. It's reminding us of what's important. When we put our relationship with God first, he gives us everything we need to feel secure and loved and cared for. And when you steep yourself in God, you can hear the unique purpose he has for your life, and you will be empowered to let go of everything else that distracts you from living this life. The discipline of simplicity transforms you into a person that is balanced and peaceful, joyful, and free. I wonder if you've ever experienced times like this in your life. I've sometimes felt this way after a retreat or a Christian camp where you've not had any distractions. You're just with God and with really good community. But the problem is most of us don't experience life like this. We steep ourselves in everything but God. God is second. We put our desires first. We want choice and comfort and convenience. We clutter our homes with things we don't need. We busy our schedules with work and activities that we think will bring us success or our kids' success. And we waste hours on Instagram, mindless entertainment, and we can't even see what really matters. It's really hard in our culture to not get caught up in very complicated lives. And it's almost as if everything around us is systematically made to distract us. It probably is also created to take our money from us as well. And no wonder we're so incredibly exhausted at the end of the day. It's just too much. When Jesus spoke these words to his original audience, even though their culture was very different than ours, he knew that they got caught up and distracted as well. They didn't have TikTok or Amazon or could choose their career. But since humanity has been around, people have struggled with trying to live life apart from God and God at the center. People have always overcomplicated their lives to try to solve the problem of anxiety and worry. But thankfully, from the beginning, God gave us guidance on how to live simply. He gave us commandments on everything from practicing Sabbath to being content with what we have and not coveting. God knew what we needed. And later, Jesus taught his disciples to ask for daily bread, just enough for today, not too much, not too little. And he said not to store up treasures on earth so that we can invest in what matters most. He told a rich man to sell everything and give his possessions to the poor so he could follow Jesus. And some of the parables imply that eternal life depends on whether you use your resources correctly or not. Paul even encouraged his followers to throw off everything that hindered them so they could run the race set out for them. You see, how we use our lives is incredibly important to God. 
And whether we know Jesus or not, we all know that we need to get rid of what's hindering us to live real life. I think this is why modern forms of simplicity have become really popular in the last 10 years. I don't know if you've heard of Marie Kondo, but she um, wrote this book about tidying up, and she teaches us to say goodbye and thank you to everything in our homes that doesn't spark joy. Or maybe you've watched the Netflix documentary on the minimalists or read their books. They teach us how to live without cars and to have one very artful spoon. <laughs> and there's also Christian authors who have gotten into the minimalist game. Jen Hatmaker wrote a book recently called The Seven Experiment, an experimental mutiny against excess. And some people get it right, some people get it wrong. My aunt and uncle are actually Quakers, and they are some of the sweetest people you'll ever meet, but they have very little. They homeschooled, they make all of their own food, grow their own food, because Quakers actually, their theological basis um, is to live simply in order to focus on what's important. And they believe a person's spiritual life and character are more important than their possessions and that you should use your resources to make life truly better for yourself and for others. It's the way of Jesus. And so this comes to our second way of living simply. We need to get rid of distractions. Get rid of everything that distracts you from living the life God has for you. And we'll get to how to do this in just a minute. But first, Let's look back to what Jesus teaches earlier in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It reads, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You see, simple lives aren't just good for us, but good for the world. When you're distracted, it's as if your light is being hidden under a bowl. When we live simply, undistracted lives, we shine. When we practice simplicity, we are free to lend our car to someone for the weekend. We can use our money to sponsor a world vision child. We will have room in our schedules to sit with a grieving friend. We will have energy to lead the seventh grade Bible study. We will be a really good spouse and friend. And when we practice the discipline of simplicity, we'll be available to be used by God wherever he calls us to. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> For the rest of the time, I want to share some practical advice on how to get rid of distractions. Now, I don't want you to try everything. There's going to be a lot. <laughs> so if you have a piece of paper or if you want to take out your phone, turn off all the notifications and take notes. But if you want to just listen and pray along the way that God would bring something to mind that you want to hold on to, that would be really great. So the first place I want to start in thinking about how to simplify and practical advice is with our stuff. Our stuff is a blessing, but we have a lot of it, don't we? We live in a very, very cluttered world. All of us in, in America, whether we are rich or poor, have more than we need. And we can let go of things. Simplicity comes when your money and things don't control you. You're free to use your stuff without becoming a burden. 
And this list will hopefully help you do that. So the first thing is to declutter, donate, and organize. And Christian and I actually just moved two weeks ago. And so we have experienced this firsthand for weeks now. <laughs> um, it's super in my face. We went through every closet, every room, and got rid of things that we didn't need. We donated probably three trucks worth of stuff, and we gave furniture to friends and to family. And the list that we could make for that is very, very long. And so the first place to start is to go through your house and declutter. And there's a lot of books about this. You can look at Marie Kondo to do that. <laughs> and then when organizing, remember the shaker way. A place for everything and everything in its place. Organizing helps you feel settled, unhindered, and also find things easily. When I was cleaning out our spice cabinet, I found eight different kinds of chili powder. And in our garage, I found four different pairs of garden clippers because I just kept losing them and forgetting that I have them or the spices went in the back and I couldn't find the chili powder. So I, I got to go to the store and buy some more. It also wastes a lot of money doing that, right? And you just have more stuff than you have to look through. And so organize your life. It actually helps you be more simple. Next thing, try to borrow instead of owning. This is, the, this is why you, we need friends and family. So if someone has a lawnmower and you don't, ask to borrow it. Or if you have one, lend it to them. This is a great way to not clutter your home. And maybe if you live on a street, you can all share the, the weed whacker. You can share the leaf blower or the snow blower. The next thing is buy for quality and usefulness, not for status or for retail therapy. <laughs> Don't buy fads or instant garbage but things that last and can be fixed. My husband has a truck from 1968. It's still running because it is such good quality that it can be fixed over and over again and it lasts. Do things that are free. Enjoy creation, take a hike, visit a park, swim in a lake, visit free museums, play with the toys you already have. With children, you can hide things and bring them back out again and they seem new, right? If you go through a house, you probably have lots of things that actually will bring entertainment that you don't have to rebuy. And use the library. Libraries still exist. They really do. And they're, they're opening up more and more now too. Um, most importantly, before you buy something, pray and wait. Ask, does it help me serve God or not? Is it a distraction? Is it for status? And then bigger questions. Is it leading to the oppression of others or ruining the environment? Waiting and praying helps us really have clarity about whether we should buy it or not. And then finally, when you simplify, you can be generous. Lend your stuff and give some of your money away. When we declutter and donate, and when we get rid of buying things that don't last, we actually have more money in our budgets to give away. If every Christian in America gave 10% of what they had, we could entirely eradicate world hunger, illiteracy, and disease. So whether you are rich or poor, it doesn't matter. All of us need to remember that our things belong to God. And we know we are living simply when we are free to let go of our things and share it with others. Which brings us to our second place of decluttering and simplifying, which is our schedule. Did you know that our time is meant to be purposeful? We've been given a beautiful life to lead, and the rhythms 
of good work and rest and hours to build relationships and be creative and use our skills to serve the world is what we were created for. We get lost in those complicated and overly busy schedules. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to sit down with a piece of paper, not your phone, write down your schedule and everything you do during a week. Think about your day in three eight-hour sections, eight hours to sleep, eight hours to work, and eight hours for flex time, not Netflix time, flex time. (laughs) And then rank these activities in the order of importance. Work and sleep might be first, but pray and ask God to show you the things that complicate your life, the things that bring good life, the things that don't, and maybe pick something to let go of. And then if you live with a spouse or children that are old enough to do this, sit down with them and talk together. What do you want your life to be like? What is your family philosophy? What's important to you? And then if you can, pray about it and ask God to speak to you about your schedule. And so then here's some questions to ask together or, or alone if you're living singly. So ask yourself, do you get enough sleep or do you sleep too much? Are you overscheduled? Do you have margin for a Sabbath, for serving, for dinner together each night, for going to church or devotional time? Ask yourself, do you actually enjoy the activities that you're doing or do your children enjoy the activities that you're doing? Are you just filling up your schedule to seem busy? Is it harder for you to say no or to say yes when people ask you to do something? Is your career or income worth the commute? The pandemic, for a lot of people, shortened your commute. Some people are working at home. A lot of people are working at home, and they've had to reevaluate whether going to the city for two hours a day on the train is worth it. Are you getting outside in nature every day, or at least every week? Are there important relationships that you haven't been keeping up with because you're too busy? When was the last time you had a date night or a night out with friends? And for you super Christians... How many Bible studies and activities are you actually in? Or are you filling your life with those things and so you don't have time for your non-Christian friends? In all these things, though, pray about them, steep yourself in God first, and then make a plan. You know you're living simply when you work hard and you rest well, when your life is moving in a direction that is purposeful. And so our last area where I want to focus on. Um, This is the one I am most passionate about if you've spent five minutes with me, (laughs) is screen time. Phones are really awesome for the GPS, for FaceTiming friends across the country, and for being able to check the weather and take pictures, right? They're really great. They're wonderful things about technology. But few things keep our lives from being simple than our smartphones and the constant distractions it so often brings. Screen time may be the biggest threat to truly living. It certainly is the most consistent and socially acceptable threat. According to research, we pick up our phones 1,500 times a week. That's three hours and 15 minutes a day because they're made to addict us. Dopamine in our brains makes us feel good when we pick up our phones. Our attention spans are also shrinking. Marketers have done studies that show our online attention span is down to nine seconds, which is exactly the same 
as a goldfish. <laughs> we have the highest levels of stress and anxiety and depression, especially in teenagers, in the history of humanity. And it's all happened in the last 10 years when the iPhone came on the scene. I want you to try this experiment the next time you're waiting in line or you're picking up your kids from school or you're in the grocery store. Look around. Actually, put your phone down first. <laughs> then look around and see what people are doing. I guarantee you most people will be looking like this. Pay attention. Are they talking to another person? Are they looking to someone, someone in the eyes? Are they actually attending to what's around them? It's actually pretty sad. We do this sometimes when we're dropping off the kids at school. As soon as the kids come out the door, they reach in their pocket and they're on their phones. We've hit almost three kids trying to cross the street because they're not paying attention. And so pay attention to what's around you. We're trying to experience life passively and through a black box, and it's killing us. Our minds are bombarded, right, with constant distractions, looking at people's perfect lives and 24-7 divisive political commentary. And when we only use Siri and Google to find information, we lose the ability to focus, to be able to attend to information, to even synthesize information and to learn. We can't bear to have to work on learning. And so our brains are actually atrophying as well. Now, I could say a lot more. <laughs> Those of you that know me, I, it's my box I stand on and I would love to talk more about it. But I wanna give you a few things to try. Just three things, okay? These might be super hard, but I think if you pray and God, God will empower you to, to do these things, or at least to pick one thing. Because if we really want to truly live, we need to let go of certain things. So the first thing is establish limits. Actually built into your iPhone in settings is screen time. So look at that and figure out how much time you're actually spending on your phone and set limits. Say, I'm only going to do one hour a day instead of three. Turn off notifications so it's not constantly buzzing. Get rid of your apps that cause addiction. They're made to do that. <laughs> Number two, establish tech-free zones. We have a rule in our house. There's no phones at the table when we're eating together. There's no technology in rooms at all. Don't go to bed with your phone next to you. Don't let your kids have computers in the bedrooms. When you're with a person meeting them for coffee, don't bring your phone. Keep it in your bag. And then try one full day a week where you don't have any screen time. It might seem crazy. Our daughter was freaking out when we even suggested this. Our son actually really loves this, but we haven't tried it yet, but we're going to try it. <laughs> the next thing is say no so you can say yes. Say no to smartphones and video games for your kids and to all forms of social media for everyone. We actually have chosen to do this. I know it seems crazy. Our daughter is 11 and a half, our son is 13, and they do not have any cell phones, no smartphones. They don't have video games. But you know what? It's the best thing you can do for your kids as long as you can wait for them so that they have a real childhood free of anxiety, and one where they can develop their attentiveness and creativity and leadership skills. But say yes to adventure, to time outside, to climbing trees, getting super dirty, to real people, to creativity and boredom. It's okay if we're bored. It's okay if our kids are bored. This is when real, true creativity happens. And when we get 
to actually create things and, and have real connections with others. And you also have to put your phone away. Model it with your kids. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people in strollers on phones and not even talking to their child who's right with them. Be someone who looks people in the eyes. And if you're not convinced yet, I have a challenge. Now, this actually involves screen time, so I know it's very ironic. But there is a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. Just watch it, and then we can talk about it later. But it will convince you, if you've not been convinced, that you should, should limit your screen time and your social media. So you know you're living simply when you can put your phone down without anxiety. And when you use technology, but it does not use you. So I want to end with this. The spiritual disciplines, all of them, takes a lifetime to develop, especially simplicity. It is not starting with getting rid of all the distractions, but it's starting with your heart that is turned toward God, steeping yourself in God first. It's inward reality that makes its way outward in our lifestyle. It's back and forth, getting rid of things and then going back to God, starting with God and getting rid of things. It's a back and forth. It's not simple. It's actually complicated to have a simple life, but you can do it. And the more you spend time with God, steeping yourself in prayer and study, you will have a life that is simple. But don't get discouraged if it takes a long time. It takes a while sometimes to figure out what God is calling you to do. So give yourself grace and also give the people around you grace. Simplicity looks completely different to each person. Something that you might be called to hold on to is something that someone else needs to let go of and vice versa. And so remember that Christ is there to help you, to empower you, to live the life he's called you to do and will help you grow. So before we sing our final song, it's called Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me, I'd like to pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help us learn the discipline of simplicity. Help us steep ourselves in you and get rid of everything that is distracting us from following you. And help us be good for the world, Lord. Help us be freed up so that we can shine your light in the world and share what we have. God, we pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.